You might think of life in agrarian times as hard slog on the land and industrialisation as long days and long weeks in mills and factories. But you might also be surprised to learn that leisure time played a significant role in those eras. And we might ask whether we actually have it better now. Do you feel pressure to make your leisure time as productive as possible, for example? Podcasts during Pilates, nothing you could really call downtime. Cultural historian Vitold Rybczynski says looking back in time could help clarify what we're going through today. Vitold Rybczynski, great to speak with you on Life Matters today. Hello. Hello. Pleasure to talk to you. Now, you first started thinking about the history of leisure some time ago, and you wrote your book, Waiting for the Weekend, in the 90s, but you've been revisiting these ideas lately. Why now? Well, I was struck by, as all around the world, particularly in, in the industrialized countries, people uh, are staying home and working home, but working home really means also increasing their leisure time because they don't have to commute, uh, they can choose exactly when to work. And I, I suspect when we come to study this phenomenon, this post-COVID reaction to, to leisure and work, we'll probably find that the leisure time has increased. So in a way, it's like the a four-day week, you know, a half day on Monday, a half day on Friday, but we only come in for the three days in the middle. So it's a, it's a big change. Yes, that does sound idyllic, and I'm not sure I know many people doing that right now. But it is fascinating, isn't it, looking at how differently people have done leisure over time. Do we know when humans first started uh, doing activities we might see as leisure activities? We don't know in detail. We, we know, for instance, very little about Stone Age people. But what we do know is that they painted the insides of their caves. And some of the paintings, you know, are animals and perhaps they are religious or mystical in some way. But some of those cave paintings are just decoration. And so, so that means somebody with leisure time is doing this. So we, we certainly have a sense that leisure was quite real for those people, even though we don't know much about the hunting, gathering you know, patterns of life. It's just too, too, it's sort of disappeared. Well, and I guess when we think of the concept of leisure, it depends on how we divvy up the week, doesn't it, into uh, units of productivity or not. How, how do we know how that played out over time? Well, what we know is that the seven-day week is very old. It probably dates back to the Babylonians. Certainly the early Jewish culture had... Uh, the Sabbath every seven days. And what's interesting about the seven-day week is it really has nothing to do with the sun or the moon or the planets or any natural. It's a totally artificial invention. It's uh, There have been other weeks, but it's the seven-day week that kind of has predominated and, and which, of course, we use these days. And Vitold Rybczynski, when did it start being divided into work days and non-work days, that seven-day construct? Oh, that's very old. That it, it goes certainly, we know that, for instance, in the Middle Ages, uh, people actually had more leisure time, more holidays than we do. And that was because they had market days, they had feast days, saints' days, of course, throughout the year. But then were also local days and then family holidays. And we, we've all read about, for instance, weddings that would go on for a week. 
that was a, we our weddings go on for a day or maybe even less than a day so th- there was much more leisure kind of interspersed throughout the year and of course there was enforced leisure like if you were a farmer there wasn't much to do in the winter unless you were taking care of animals and so there was much more leisure time and it <clears throat> excuse me it was spread out over the year Yes, I was reading in one of your articles how everything would stop if a travelling menagerie came to town or for one of several other reasons. Yes, circuses. There were bull runs. We think of of Pamplona, but there was bull running in England and uh, all over Europe. And those were those are big festival days. And and people enjoyed those and and kind of had a, a very a, leisure was was sort of you could say that leisure was more important in terms of everyday life than the work the work was sort of broken up much more than and very irregularly compared to today well this is really uh, changing my ideas of what it was like to live under feudal overlords and perhaps if you're listening you might be looking askance at the way you conduct your leisure versus work balance today and thinking perhaps I have been trying to make my leisure time a little too productive. We'll get into that in a moment with Vitold Ripchinsky who is a cultural historian who's been looking at the history of leisure and I'll be very keen to hear from you about what leisure activities put you most effectively into that lovely relaxed state, a flow state, one of our texters has said, on 0418 226 576. Definitely get into a flow state doing art, they say. More recently, a feeling of freedom with deep water running, floating in deep water, is freeing. And Greg says, it wasn't so long ago that my father used to work Saturday mornings. A good time waster for us are jigsaws, he says, just to have to keep finding those pieces that fit uh, P.S. P.S. He says, what about the games we play for a life in 500 words topic? That's interesting. From uh, from mind games to sports. We'll take that on board, Greg. Interesting idea. Vitold, we've talked a little bit about how we came up with this magical seven-day week. How long have we had a designated day of rest in that week? Or is that just particular religious groups? It was really religious, and uh, of course, for for Jews it was a Saturday, for Christians it was Sunday, and for Muslims it was Friday. So it varied, but it was really the religious festival, the religious day, which establishes the week. And one of the constraints in all religions was that you didn't work on that day. And in some religions, it wasn't just work. It was quite sort of specified what you could and couldn't do on that one day a week, the Sabbath day or the Sunday for Christians. And uh, that's really the, the first day of sort of enforced leisure. And then as, as one of your listeners pointed out, it, it was relatively recently that the weekend came along and for the for the longest time the weekend really just meant half of saturday people worked until midday saturday uh, and but they had saturday saturday afternoon and sunday free and that that's when the weekend arrives so it's a one and a half day weekend and of course eventually becomes a two day weekend uh, and 
And then we have long weekends and other things like that. That was one of the really interesting things for me about reading your work, the the level of push and pull there's been over time between the people wanting the leisure and the people uh, wanting the workers not to have so much leisure. <laughs> what happens during industrialisation, Vitol, when uh, you know all the different holy days need to somehow fit into a structured uh, factory week, for example? Well, of course, they don't fit. And that's that's at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. That becomes a big problem because people are getting paid and they they're getting they have money once a week. They're getting they're getting paid. Usually it's on a Saturday evening because that's it's a six day week and they don't show up on Monday. In fact, they don't show up until the money runs out. And so there was this big tension because of. So you would build a factory with a big, probably a steam engine or maybe a big water wheel, and you spend all this money, and then on Monday there's nobody there to to do the work, and and this was this was a very common thing, and so eventually the the factory owners and the workers sort of have to reach an agreement, and the agreement is we we will give you more money and you'll you you'll have a six-day week but it'll be a shorter work day uh but you have to come in on monday and and so there was that's where the regularity happens and then eventually part of the deal is you'll you'll get saturday afternoon off and then you can you can travel you can go somewhere overnight and uh, that becomes the pattern of the of this sort of industrial weekend. I love that they even had a name for this organic extra holiday that people had wrested from the factory owners. Yes, they called it Saint Monday. Sometimes they even had Saint Tuesday. Of course that was a joke because it was a it was like a saint's day, but it was it was sort of invented by people uh, quite spontaneously. There were no rules about this, but people simply uh, because they, you have to remember, of course, on a Sunday you couldn't do a lot of things. There was enforced; things were closed. So, if there was, for instance, a horse race, it would be scheduled for a Monday because the people doing it knew that that, that that's when people would show up and and have a good time. And then eventually they would sort of drag it, drag their feet back to the factory. Yep, yep. The taverns would be open, everybody would be happy. It's fascinating because a lot of us, I think, think of industrial England as quite Dickensian, lots of work, no play, gruel, linen mills. Are we? But you, you write that 18th century workers actually had a high preference for leisure and long periods of it. Do we misunderstand the history of what's going on here or was there quite a divide between different groups of people in that time, perhaps working classes and middle classes? No, I think we misunderstand it. We, I think we forget many things, of course, about history. And people, we, we, it's easy to be sort of ignorant about the past. Uh, and also we think of, of history as a kind of straight line. And, and the history of leisure is really back and forth. Sometimes there's more leisure, sometimes there's less. Sometimes people sort of rebel and, and refuse to work. And uh, the communists, the Stalinists, for instance, had a completely different, they wanted to change the week altogether because they were very anti-clerical. They didn't want to have Sundays anymore. And that lasted about three or four years and the people just rebelled. They refused to do it. And they had to go back to a seven-day week 
so it's it's not a straight line. It's it's a sort of back and forth and experiments and people try to, to reorganize it and then it, they they invent new holidays and uh, they they find just different ways to to f- find leisure because I think leisure is important to people and and it's also part of that constant historic back and forth. Yes, well, as you say, leisure is important to people. Sometimes it can feel these days as if you have to carve it out, you know, with with quite an effort from the rest of your week. And so it can feel very important what you do with it. A few comments coming through. Riding horses, says Meg in Canberra, free range and out of phone range. One says, cave painters were leisurely. We still think artists need a real job. Artists are generally running a whole business seven days a week. Good point. Drawing in particular for a flow state, says another, multiple hours at a time from Robin. And this one, I love the statement from Downton Abbey, where the question of what is a weekend was made by the aristocratic grandmother. And they go on, my downtime is running and walking with no earbuds, swimming and yoga. Plus, I make time to read a few pages of a book and listen to an audio story. I try and find time every day for a few of these rather than leaving it to our idea of the weekend. But Vitor, that's interesting, isn't it? This idea of, you know, the weekend as a, as a unit. When did we see that start to grow out of the, uh, the half-day Saturday holiday? Well, it, it really varies from country to country. So uh, it's in the United States, for instance, it was sort of in the 1920s and 30s that a, a real two-day weekend happens. In England, it's a little bit earlier. Uh, in France... Uh, the the Saturday holiday is called the English holiday because they basically copied what the English did earlier. So it's it's very much a cultural thing that different different societies organize themselves differently and choose that differently. It's it's always when I was writing this book, I, I was always impressed by the fact that work tends to be similar from culture to culture especially today, an office is just an office. But leisure varies enormously. So what Australians do with their free time and what Americans do with their free time is very different. Oh, yes. Or or significantly different. Whereas what they do in the office is probably pretty similar. They're all using Microsoft and computers and printers and and work tends to be organized in a similar way. So that's an interesting thing about leisure and recreation. Yes. Could you tell us some of the differences you've noticed between America and Australia when it comes to leisure time? I don't know what uh, what Australians do with their leisure time, ah. but, I, uh, but I know, for instance, I've, I've lived in Canada and, and, and America, and when I was growing up in Canada, uh, everything was closed on Sunday, but if you drove over the border to to the United States, shops were open. The, the malls were open on Sunday. So there was a different different attitude towards Sunday, and uh, which of course changes over time. Now Canada has things open on on Sunday as well. But that was a that was one of the differences I noticed when I was growing up. 
Yes, we're speaking with Vitol Rybczynski, who's a cultural historian and the author of many books, including, I guess, the one that's most relevant to us today is Waiting for the Weekend, this idea of how we divide up our time during the week or during during the, the long flow of undivided time and how we approach those different units of time. Vitol, there was this idea at one point that we were heading for a, an era uh, eventually of universal leisure. The work day would get shorter and shorter and shorter what do people think would happen then? Well, it depends. A lot of people worried about it because they, they, they. It seems that work was such an important thing uh, that what would we do? How would we organize our lives? Would we, or would would we all end up uh, as as in? Aldous Huxley wrote this this book where people are taking drugs and sort of making up. A, a, a fantasy existence. On the other hand, by the time I was writing the book, the, the workday had actually gotten longer. The statistics showed that people were working more. On the other hand, in the last few years, that has reversed because people, they say they're working at home. I don't actually believe that. I think they're they're doing some work at home, but they're, basically their leisure time has gone up. Uh, and if you go to a, a most offices, a lawyer's office, an architect's office, any paper, any any white collar office in the United States, Monday and Friday they're almost empty, and most offices run on a three day a week. You have to come to the office three days a week, and you can work from home two days a week. So, it's it's a it's changing again, and I think that's the story of leisure and work is that. It's a story of change, not evolution, but really change. Yes, it's been fascinating doing uh, interviews with people about the the way that working from home works, and it sounds like it does vary for people. But in Australia, it turns out that productivity often goes up, which is an interesting uh, meditation, I guess, on how people perceive work time and and the I, guess, I don't know the way they perhaps feel invisibly uh, monitored by work. Let's have a look though at what G.K. Chesterton, the the English writer and philosopher, thought about different ideas of leisure. He was quite suspicious about some of the ideas of leisure circulating in the late 19th century, wasn't he? He was. He, he Well, he was a mischievous person too. So he was, as, to challenge people, he said that that there was different kinds of leisure and one kind of leisure involved recreation, organized games and things like that. Uh, but on other kind, of, but he wrote in praise of idleness was one of the titles of his of an essay, and it was arguing that we should really have the freedom to do nothing if that's what we felt like doing. Uh, of course, he was the worst person to talk about that because he wrote hundreds of books. He edited several magazines and newspapers. He was a very, very prolific public speaker. So it, idleness and G.K. Chesterton don't really go together particularly, but I think he was just being challenging and saying, one of the types of leisure that we should enjoy is simply not getting caught up in recreation, but really being idle and letting our minds sort of wander, and which is, of course, difficult to do, which is, I think, that was one of his points. 
Well, yes, and idleness has always had quite moral overtones. And and you look in your book, Waiting for the Weekend, about the Protestant work ethic and how some of those thinkers were very suspicious of the idea that people would have any time divorced from from toil at all. Should we be thinking about leisure in terms of idleness, Vitold, or is is play a better approach? Again, it, 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 I mean, I, I, I was, when I was thinking about this recently, I mean, what would Chesterton make of, of all these teenagers spending hours and hours online? It's a kind of leisure because they're not working. Uh, but, but I don't think he would necessarily approve of that. And I don't think that's what he was thinking of. But that's where it's gone. And so that's the other thing about leisure is that it sort of surprises us because we there are sort of conventions about leisure and then these suddenly change and people either because of technology or or just fashion or many other reasons you know people go to movies and suddenly they're not going to movies they're watching movies at home they're not saturday night is no longer when you go to a movie you just you can watch a movie anytime you want because you're watching it you're streaming it at home so it's a very kind of dynamic uh, field, this this field of leisure and, and recreation and play. Where would you like to see it go in the future? How, how do you think we should shift our ideas around leisure as a culture? One of the, one of the themes in my book is that, that there's always whatever, at any particular time, there's always somebody telling you what you should be doing. And I don't want to be one of those people. I think one of the qualities of leisure and recreation is that you get to choose. And if you want to lie around on a sofa watching TV, that's your choice. And so there's always sort of people are scold, there are scolds who say, oh, you shouldn't work on this day or you, sh- or you shouldn't do this kind of thing or this is a real problem. And I think that's, that is also an aspect of leisure, but it, it's not, it's a, sort of inevitable one there are people who want to want us to be more disciplined even in our play which i think kind of defeats the purpose that's an interesting note to end on vitol thank you so much for your time today on life matters thank you it's been a pleasure for me too vitol ripchinski is a cultural historian and the author of many books including waiting for the weekend lovely text here i try to plan my weekend so i prioritize the things i want to do over the chores i need to do i make a plan across four key themes and plan one thing against each family friends time in nature and jobs that aren't regular housework if i tick off uh, all four of those in a weekend i feel fulfilled and at peace Thank you for that. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.